1: Welcome back, everyone, to the "Stay Off My Operating Table" podcast with Doctor. Philip Ovadia. I'm the talking hairdo, and there's not much hair actually to talk about. Jack Heald, and we are joined today by—I uh, think this is the first registered dietitian we've spoken to, Phil. And that—that uh, that fact alone says something about the what dietitians are or are not in our country. Why don't you introduce us to Jen Cleveland?
2: Sure thing, and it's uh, such a pleasure to have Jen here. Um, as you mentioned, she is a registered uh, dietitian, and we're going to talk about uh, a bit about what that means and um how she um has uh, utilized that, and maybe, you know where uh, there are parallels to uh, medical training and uh, how Jen has started to approach things a little bit differently. And that's why I'm excited to have this conversation with her. Uh, So let's uh, start by uh, letting Jen give us give introduce herself to our audience and uh, give us a little bit of your background, Jen.
0: Yes, I'm Jen Cleveland. I'm from the Hoosier State, Indiana. Uh, Went to IU, Indiana University, bachelor's degree in nutrition and dietetics back in 1992. And as you probably know, that was the year that the infamous food pyramid came into play. So that's oh, when I started. I my... <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Pretty much my everything I learned, I'm having to relearn and unlearn. And it's, it's quite the process. 30 years later, um, going I through a lot, just trying to unlearn everything I was pretty much ever taught about <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> and still, am told to teach um, at many times. It, it you know that part can be a little frustrating. But I also have I have a master's degree in medical science from Indiana University, um, and I did some research. Interestingly enough, back in in nineteen ninety four to ninety six, um, on the effects of sucrose in the diets of children with type one diabetes. <laughs> so in my whole thesis in 1992 that I presented at the American Di- Di- Diabetes Association National Conference in Atlanta was telling people, oh, it's just fine to for kids Ouch. with diabetes and sugar. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, I was just saying it wasn't worse than starch. <laughs> oh, okay. On their blood sugars. <laughs> huh. I wasn't saying it was good for them. I was just saying it wasn't worse than starch. <laughs> at the time. Huh. Huh. I was like, well, sucrose is 50% glucose and 50% fructose and starch is hundred percent glucose. So when you give them isochloric amounts of both, their blood sugars are better with 50% glucose. They're better with sugar.
1: Huh. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> so for, for for our audience who may be brand new to the show <laughs> and haven't yeah. heard us rail on this particular topic for the last year and a half, uh what would be your your report today uh if you were giving the same uh if you had the opportunity to speak to the American Diabetes Association and uh, well, uh maybe update your your uh recommendations and findings from 1992
0: yeah it's a slow process and it's it's coming around very very slowly not quite as quickly as I'd like it to especially with this pandemic of Children with type two diabetes that we have on our hands, pre-diabetes. I mean, 30%, 30% of kids have pre-diabetes. 12 to 18 year olds. Yeah, it's astonishing. And 19 to in an age group of 19 to 34, it's like
1: 35%. I'm to 40%. Uh I'm and having trouble wrapping my head around that number. I had no idea it was that bad.
0: It's huge. And the last two years from twenty once. COVID hit 2020 to March of 28th, 2022, the numbers just, it was like 5% more increase. And
2: Jen, do you uh, know roughly what those numbers were in 1992 when you graduated uh, school?
0: Less than 5%. Yeah. When I first started, when I first started practicing, because I've been practicing at the same children's big academic healthcare institution for 30 years, um, I it was it was rare. I mean, it was like maybe once or twice a year we would see a kid come in with type 2 diabetes. And now we have four dedicated clinics every month that are only type 2 diabetes. And we have a whole youth diabetes prevention clinic um and I <laughs> without <laughs> getting myself in trouble, I you know, what they teach in that clinic is still not what quite I would say is Right.
1: So we've had a six to seven fold increase in the incidence of prediabetes in 12 to 18 year olds in 30 years.
0: Yes. To me, that's a, a pretty, pretty darn pat pandemic compared to the one we just, it's just as bad in my opinion.
1: Exactly. Uh, possibly worse.
0: Yeah, or probably yeah, or in fact, or worse. Worse, because these uh, kids, when kids get type two diabetes, the 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 increase in their beta cell failure, the the is so much faster than it is in adults. Okay, and so they're they're All actually right, you're, you're already over my head. Oh, sorry, sorry,
1: sorry. <laughs> so the, I, cell- I represent the average listener. So, okay, okay, what what did you just say? Beta cell failure.
0: So beta cells are the cells in your pancreas that make insulin and because they, they just diminish so much faster in kids that develop type two diabetes at such a young age, much faster, they develop complications much quicker, um, kidney disease, all the things that go along with type two diabetes, heart disease, retinopathy, eye disease, eye damage. Um,
1: So if I understand what you're saying... The earlier you you develop diabetes, the, the faster the onset of all the other uh pathologies associated with diabetes.
0: Yes, yes. I've already blown my mind.
1: We're five minutes in, and you've already blown my mind.
2: <laughs> and specifically, you know, what we're talking about there is uh, you know, children who start with type two diabetes. And again, to step back for a minute, you know, we, uh, recognize that type two diabetes is your body is actually making plenty of insulin. Um, but your body cells aren't responding to that insulin. And these kids rapidly accelerate then to develop type one diabetes, which means their pancreas is no longer making insulin. Um, so it really, uh, is a um, pretty vicious uh, cycle, pretty vicious process. And then, like you said, that accelerates all of the complications. And these are now 30-year-olds that are ending up on my operating table because they have the advanced heart disease, um, you know, of a diabetic that we typically wouldn't see until, you know, uh, the seven, you know, people are in their 70s. You know, the the people who used to develop type two diabetes in their fifties and sixties, and then they get heart disease in their seventies and eighties. Are now teenagers developing type two diabetes, and and then thirty year olds developing heart disease. I'm,
0: and I'm it blown happens away. so. It happens so fast, and it's it's just so sad because, as we know, it starts with what they put in their mouth.
1: Well, that's that much. was going to be my and follow-up some, question.
0: And some d- was, yeah, some, okay, some degree so of fetal what's changed in the
1: food. last 30 years that we have a six to 700% increase in the incidence of this childhood diabetes? What's happened?
0: Our food, our food supply. When we look at the food and the grocery stores, I mean, yes, we always had the junk foods, but in the 50s and 60s, when they started bringing all the, you know, the, people who fund the American Diabetes Association, who who fund the American Heart Association and who fund, you know fund all these organizations that are supposed to promote health, um, are funded by Proctors and Gambles and you know Kellogg Cereals and Splenda Sweetener. I mean, there's just there's so much funding that goes on. Half to, has to the half the continuing education opportunities I get as a dietitian are are from funded by food companies and they're just promoting things that you know to their own agendas and not to to improve anybody's metabolic health really
1: so i i I don't even know where to
2: yeah i i i I want
1: i want to rip the covers off of this i want to name names i want to (laughs) <laughs> um, holy
2: smokes! I mean, I and, and I, we'll get into that, but Jen, I want to step back for a minute and just ask you. You know, why? What? Why did you become a dietitian? What? You know, why did you go that, into dietetics to start with?
0: That is a really good question. So my my grandparents grew up on. I think I've told you this, but that my grandparents grew up on a farm in northern Indiana, my, and they were farmers and you know, always had their own meat, had their own vegetables. We go there in the summertime. And then my mom has always been a health nut. Um, I guess you call her a health nut, but she's very, she's very, very smart. She's always um, tried to find out, she's wanted to live a long, healthy life and always wanted to do what, whatever it was that she could do to do that. Well, it, we will never forget the moment and about the early Probably mid seventies, we were young, or I was not as young as my brothers, but we um my mom read this book called The Sugar Blues.
1: Oh, I remember that.
0: <laughs> and book. she yeah, so she read this book and she literally ripped every iota of sugar out of our house. Probably did a lot of favors that we didn't know at the time. My brother threw a fit. No more fruity pebbles, no more, you know, any kind of sugary cereals we were super active and back in, back in that day, I mean, we're, we, we don't, we're not prone anyway to being overweight. I mean, we just, our family is genetically kind of tall and slender. And so we, people looked at us like we were Ethiopians, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we, you know, we were healthy. We were just normal, healthy kids running around. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I've always, my mom has always had a, interest in nutrition and kind of taught me good habits along the way. And so I was like, well, you know, this is interesting. I, you know, would like to help kids with type one diabetes. I don't have anybody personally in my family with diabetes, but there was an opportunity at the hospital to do these research studies and to work with one of the really, you know, at the time he was a very um, known uh, pediatric endocrinologist in our community. And I was like, well, that's cool. You know, it's only like in my early 20s, I was like, "This is going to be fun," and so I, I enjoyed, you know, the research and all. that. then, when I look back on everything that we did, it was all wrong. It's all wrong. So now I am like, I, I feel like I'm back in school again because I'm constantly I'm taking, you know, nutrition network courses and things that you know, learning things that I didn't know before.
1: Well, what was there a, was there an aha moment for you that, that where you said, wait a minute, this is not what. Well,
0: I. Yeah. So the aha moments are, it was kind of just along the way telling, you know, we, we were t- literally told, t- t- we were told by doctors, tell, you know, tell the family, you know, just have their children eat whatever they want. No, you know, don't change their diets at all we'll just feed the insulin. you know, we'll just give enough insulin to cover that much carbohydrate. So we give them an insulin to carbohydrate ratio, say it's one unit for every 15 grams. And so they're told you know for every 15 grams of carbohydrate that your child eats, you cover that with a unit of insulin. And for every you know so many milligrams per deciliter high that their blood sugar is over 120, not even 100 or 110, which is a more normal blood sugar, but 120 is the target um, just to prevent hypoglycemia. And so then we give them a little extra for that as well. So it's okay to let them run high and it's okay to, to let them eat however much carbohydrate, no limit on what kind of carbohydrate, um, and just cover it with insulin. And so that was my job for years was to teach families carbohydrate to insulin ratios, how to program their insulin pumps so that it delivered enough insulin and so on. And so there was, then no, we there was this, no
1: discussion about lifestyle, there was no discussion about,
0: nutrition. you know, there was a brief, you know, of course, we recommend that most of your child's um, carbohydrates come from whole grains, fruits, vegetables. Yeah, but whole grains were always a very promoted because they're high in fiber.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've talked a little bit on the show about, you know, my brother, my older brother was was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Um, And uh, I remember, you know, that well him him kind of sitting at the table and calculating his insulin dosage and how much carbohydrates did we just eat? And and, you know, we only had the Cheerios because, you know, we couldn't have the 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 sugar cereals. (laughs) So we had the whole grain cereals and, and the Wheaties and the, you know, all the whole grain stuff. Um, and, uh, he would sit there and, and balance his carbohydrate intake with his insulin usage. Um, and I had
0: the little but, heart association implement the top.
2: Yeah, right? exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's, but let's dig into a little bit more. Like when did you start to realize that, you know, this wasn't uh, working or, you know, this wasn't the right approach, you know, what, what made you start to question this? Because I... having gone through a similar transformation myself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and trying, you know, it, it's you're that's a lot of, uh, programming that you had to start to unravel. So what, what, yeah. what started that for you?
0: So, I mean, personally, I I kind of started, I've, I've not ever eaten a super high carbohydrate diet, even until not since I was like a youngster, I was a competitive swimmer in high school, swam all the way through high school. And so I ate a ton for that. And then after high school, I was like, well, you know, I'm not as active as I used to be. And so I probably didn't need as many calories, but, um, I just kind of naturally Started to eat. I've always loved meat. My mom has a picture of me with chicken bone in, in my mouth when I was a year old. And I've just always loved been I've just always liked meat a lot. <laughs> it's just satisfying and, and don't feel hungry. And, you know, I think for years that I did follow kind of that low fat mantra, you know, everybody must eat really high carbohydrate, low fat diet. That was probably up until I would say my late 30s early 40s and then that's about the time when i was like this stuff isn't working for any of these kids it's not working for anybody i was getting consult after consult for hyperlipidemia but their cholesterol wasn't their okay, cholesterol what's, levels
1: what's hyperlipidemia oh
0: high high cholesterol and triglycerides and
1: In ldl kids. levels
0: oh yeah I've seen kids with trigly- triglyceride levels in the 2,000.
2: Well, yeah, and, and important to you point out, you know, you're you're mostly talking about high triglyceride levels. Um, you know, high LDL cholesterol is becoming more of an issue in kids as well, but the high triglycerides are what you know you typically see. Uh
0: yeah, we have a very Big population of kids with fatty liver as well, non-alcoholic fatty liver yeah, disease. Yeah, that's
1: the one that uh, you were in your, the the biography you sent us, you were talking about uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease.
0: And they kind of, a lot of times go hand in hand with type 2 diabetes.
1: A and lot of the kids. In, this is in
0: kids. All right. As the, young, the as, young that, as eight, seven and eight year olds.
1: Unbelievable. The question that, that, that comes to mind is there are parents listening to this and they're going to, they're going to be saying, I wonder if that's my kid. Are mm-hmm. there, <clears throat> what What do you do to check your kid first thing? What's the first thing that, that parents listening need to do to make sure that their kid is not on this road to diabetes?
0: So usually if they're getting regular well child checks, they do a urine screen is usually the first thing they'll do. Um, And that's how some of our kids are detected if they do go to their. But during COVID, a lot of kids didn't go to their any doctor's appointments, Um, but they'll do a urine screen. And in that they can detect glucose. Um, in the urine but that it has to be reached the renal threshold blood sugar wise which is greater than 180 milligrams per deciliter blood sugar which is pretty darn high before it passes that renal threshold and spills into the into your into the urine so okay so at, at... they've
1: which what I hear you saying is they've got to be pretty far down the road before it even shows up in the the urine is that right
0: mm-hmm Yes.
1: Uh, what's what else do do parents do to make so sure? So you know, not... if
0: the the symptoms that they can present with, you know, are polyuria, so they're going getting up a lot at night to go to the bathroom, or they're excessively thirsty, polydipsia that, and um, polyphagia, which is kind of excessive eating, are the.
1: I poly- love it that the three you people poly. have all these all these fancy, fancy <laughs> <laughs> names for. I gotta pee a lot. I'm thirsty all the time, and I eat like I'm starving.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because their body's not able to utilize what they're eating, and so they just <clears throat> are have a voracious appetite. Oh but the type, yeah, and the type two. A lot of times, um, in in kids too, they'll have like this darkening ring. You may have seen it on people, like a dark ring around their neck. Or sometimes in the arm folds of their arms, it's called acanthosis nigricans, and a lot of um, kids, it's a sign of insulin resistance in type two diabetes. And uh, I've had patients who have come doctor, in. for
1: listeners, uh, we're talking about a rig ar- around the. the it's a dark thickening.
0: Well, it can be. It can be all over the body, but sometimes oh. across the knuck, across, sometimes across the knuckles, um, in the wrist folds. But it's a sign of insulin resistance. And I, I, you know, you ca- I can walk in the grocery store and see people with it. And like, they probably don't even know they have <laughs> pre-diabetes or diabetes, one or the other. Um, but it's definitely a sign of insulin resistance. This
1: is one of those times when we need to be able to 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 uh, have a Jamie like Joe Rogan has got and say, Jamie, look that up. Show us a photo. <laughs> so we don't have
0: that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: No, it is, you know, and it, it, it's a problem because, you know, kids aren't routinely getting blood work. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about some of the things we talk about, you know, in adults and and checking insulin levels for early detection, and and while those certainly would work in children, if we were to be checking, you know, insulin and, uh, you know, we, we, we don't routinely do blood work in children. Uh, so Um, you know, it's, it's a challenge to detect this before it gets to that point. And you're right, the urine, you know, having, having glucose in your urine is, uh, is already fairly far down the track uh, Mm -hmm. before, before that occurs.
0: It used to be age 40 when they would start screening around age 40 for even pre-diabetes not not even type two. And they have now reduced that to 30. So wow. they're now routinely screening anyone that's, um, you know, 30 and over used to okay. be. Okay,
1: let's cut to the chase. Um, I, I, I know that the way we're going to promote this particular episode, we're going to target it at parents of children, parents with children at home, mm-hmm. um, talk to the parents. You're the, you're the dietitian. You've got the background and the credentials. Tell them what they got to do now to, to either get their kids off of this track or better, keep them from ever getting on it. What, what actions do they have to take starting today?
0: Yeah, and that's a great question because a lot of times it's multi generational, especially with type two diabetes. It's a very multi generation. Grandparents have had it, parents have had it, and now the kids have it. And so it's almost as if they sometimes see this as fatalistic in a way. I don't know, Um, but 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 I try to encourage them and let them know that this can be because the doctor, that honestly, they do not they do not go into a room saying you can reverse this. Uh-huh. They go into the room saying this is how we are going to treat this. And the first thing we're going to do is metformin. And then we may have to add this, and then we may have to add this. And then I go in and I I do my best. <laughs> um, you know, to to go and I anymore, what I emphasize to the families is whole real foods ditch the processed foods number one ditch the sugary drinks that's the absolute number one okay you would not believe
1: sugary drinks
0: yeah number one sugary drinks number two whole real foods meats vegetables a little bit of fruit if they are just starting out um and move a little bit i mean sometimes that i keep the movement for a little bit later because we're talking about some kids that have body mass indexes 45 to 55 so the movement is something we're talking about kids who are
1: already morbidly obese
0: very yep. like 12 12 year olds that are 350 plus holy yeah. smoke yes i know it's really it's really sad i mean it does make me sad and there, we, there you know part of it is there are and i'm not not making excuses but you know we do have areas of poverty where there are food desert food deserts areas where their access to to good food is not the best a lot of a lot of these children I mean not in like I think the incidence of kids in poverty in certain of certain of these areas has doubled it since 1999 um and so for them to find you know good fresh meat or eggs or you know things that we kind of maybe take for granted. It's not so easy. Um, and then they'll say that, you know, a lot of times they have to go to food pantries to get their food and the food pantries, what you get at a food pantry is a lot of boxed processed, you know, boxed and processed right. foods, right. bagged foods, pro- things that are have a long shelf life. Um, and so that's what and, they and, are having yeah. to work with.
2: And you know, we can even extend that these days because, you know, for a lot of these children, you know, school might be the the primary, you know, where they get their biggest meal of the day. Um, and the schools are serving largely processed food anymore. You know, they're following the u s. dietary guidelines, and they're serving a lot of processed food and certainly a lot of high carbohydrate food,
0: yes. i had a I had a dad actually come um into clinic last week and, he was very upset. His son has type two diabetes. And he's like, I'm doing, trying my best. I'm trying my best, but we rely on school breakfast and school lunch for financial reasons. And I said, oh, I'm, you know, I understand. So he pulled up on his phone, the school lunch menu where the school nurse had written the carbohydrate content of all the items on the menu for that day. And it was over hundred grams for every single meal for the month. And I'm like, that's just for lunch, and the breakfast was another seventy-five to hundred. And it's like, and even the hospitals. I mean, the hospitals don't do much better, of what the food that we serve in the hospitals. Um, What would
2: you say? Yeah, what would you say is a reasonable amount uh, for uh, a reasonable, you know, amount of carbohydrates uh, for a child to be consuming? in a day
0: that's a that's a trick question
2: because
0: well, <laughs> as we know not
2: even I- not even thinking <laughs> low carb like just to just to kind of set the norm you know so here we are you know they're serving 100 grams at lunch um you know and you know probably close to the same at breakfast um you know so 200 grams you know right there and, and you know again you know uh, we, it, uh, an average child, and you know, non-diabetic average child, probably shouldn't be consuming more than 100 grams a day of of carbohydrates. You know, uh, but if and, I and say that, that in, in one meal,
0: exactly. And if I say that, they look at me like I have five heads. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we we know the challenge.
0: Um, yeah, so the American Diabetes Association, that. the American Diabetes Association has gotten down to 150 grams per day as a as the recommendation. And uh, this yeah. is for people so, who
1: already have diabetes?
0: Yes. That's the that that is the 2021 American Diabetes Association Standard of Care Guidelines
2: lowered it to that. <laughs> we should point out lowered, it, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's actually
0: 50. up to one hundred and eighty for men.
2: Yeah, but but th- those again were lower recommendations than they had that had. Yeah, used to, to be
0: it, it, the the former recommendations were to individualize it based on the patient, and so if a if a child was typically eating 200 grams per meal or hundred grams per meal that I would be told, just, you know, cut that in half. And I was like, well, that's not enough.
1: I don't have a license that somebody can take away from me because of what <laughs> I say about I- issues like this. I'm not afraid of saying this, but, uh, and it needs to be said that is absolutely insane that in this day and age a medical professional would would take the approach that it's okay for a, di- a child with diabetes to be consuming massive amounts of carbohydrates and just taking the attitude that oh we're going to put you on drugs for the rest of your life eat whatever you want i'm sorry at 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 best that is cr- that's incompetent and at yeah. worst it's it's it should be legally actionable by any parent who brings a child in and hears that i don't have a, a license to lose so you guys don't have to say anything i I'll,
2: I'll i'll second it and they can come after my license anytime but <laughs> um, so Jen, I wanted, I, I got another question I'm curious about, so, you know, Dr. Richard Bernstein, um, oh, yeah. you know, wrote his, uh, diabetes solution, diabetes. which is basically a low carb approach to type one diabetes. Um, he wrote that in 1997, uh, I believe is when the first edition came out. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, you, you graduated in 1992, so you were in practice by then, um, Do you remember when the first time you even heard about that book was and uh, what the discussion Mm. was like around that?
0: Yes, I do. I'm trying to think about what year that was. It was probably in the early to mid-2000s. Okay. By by the time it rolled around, and it was not well-received. It was not well-received. I mean, the they were saying, well, kids need carbohydrate for energy. I mean, it's just now been this year, this like, well, 2022 that I heard a discussion, a a talk by one of our pediatric endocrinologists saying it was a a, uh, talk on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And they were discussing the fact that carbohydrate is not an essential macronutrient. And I about fell over. (laughs) I was like, so then now every time they bring up when I, when I want to do a lower carbohydrate than what they recommend for certain patients, I will say, but isn't carbohydrate, not an essential macronutrient, especially for these kids. And they're, cause it used to be the, 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 they would always say, well, they need it for energy. These are growing young kids. They need so much, you know, car, so much amount of carbohydrate for energy. And that's just not true.
1: Yeah. In other mad. words, the it's the, the kid's body is able to make use of meat in the same way that an adult body can make use of meat.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Sounds and so and complicated.
2: I, <laughs> I, I was <sighs> just picturing the ironic kind of situation during that lecture of of uh, you know the 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 dietitians and the doctors in the audience you know throw literally throwing their donuts at the. Uh, <laughs> The speaker mm-hmm. who suggests that carbohydrates are not essential, uh, because I'm sure they were being served at the grand rounds, like they always are. Um, Usually, it's the so, giant
0: Otis Bunkmeyer muffin. Yes,
2: the, exactly. The seventy
0: gram, the seventy gram carb ones.
2: <laughs> so to go back, uh, do you remember um, learning in school? about, um, you know, how diabetes was treated, uh, prior to insulin becoming, uh,
0: available. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, this is what, what we're doing now or what we believe to be true now is, is how it should be, or it was being done that way. Very low carbohydrate diets, because otherwise they starve to death they died before insulin and so the only yeah. choice was to, to was to remove carbohydrate from the diet and <laughs> it just makes you wonder <laughs> what, so what I, I just
1: for for so the, there is a... the folks in the in the audience who are are like me not always up on all the medical stuff what you're saying is prior to the inter- prior to uh the discovery that insulin could be used to help diabetics
0: 101 years ago (laughs) 101 years 101
1: years ago we still had people who had diabetes and the the standard of care in other words what you did if you were a doctor and somebody came in and had diabetes is you said quit eating the carbs basically or you're gonna starve to death because your body is not
0: can't use carbohydrate,
1: carbohydrate. doesn't have
0: that insulin. Yeah.
1: Wow. 101 years ago.
2: 101 years ago. Yeah, no, it, it really is, uh, interesting. So, um, what do you, uh, I guess, you know,
0: when I first started, it was the exchanges. I don't know if you remember exchanges
2: the carb equivalent, like this is worth it. So we had
0: to, we had to tell, we had to tell people like you get two, one milk exchange and two vegetable exchanges and three bread exchanges and two fruit exchanges for the day. (laughs) And each exchange was equivalent to 10 to 15 grams of carbohydrate.
2: Yeah.
0: That was, that was the original
2: it was a way to make, mm-hmm. to make the math look not quite as bad with the amount <laughs> of yes. being promoted. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what are you seeing now, uh, in, you know, how, how many, I guess, yeah. How many mm-hmm. of your colleagues, uh, are becoming enlightened? Um, you know, so I'm fortunate to now know a couple of dietitians. uh, you know, RDS or or um, uh, you know, licensed uh, dietitians that are you know low carb. They realize that that's the way to go. Um, are you seeing a lot of that among your colleagues?
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm in Indiana. <laughs> oh no, I shouldn't say no. I, there are some. There are some. Um, but they definitely. If I'm in the if i I don't often eat lunch, I'm kind of a i eat a little i eat more breakfast and dinner kind of thing um so and I'm usually just so busy and working through lunch that I just don't even think about it, but they're always like, if I do eat and it's usually just a bunch of meat of some sort that I like, they're like, so oh, you just don't eat any." Fruit, or you don't eat any pasta, or you know, you don't eat any rice, and I'm like, breads, and I'm like, I've never eaten bread, really. I'm like, no. <laughs> They're like, wow. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just they, they think you're weird.
1: Okay. what you're painting for me is a picture that I, I really wish I was not getting in my head. But you're painting for me a picture of a profession that claims to be able to to communicate to people who are sick because of what they who are sick for whatever reason a profession that claims to be able to tell them what they need to eat that is utterly incompetent that's what i'm hearing that's the picture i'm hearing Utter incompetence. If you have a problem with your with your body, you're sick, and you go to one of these places they, they have a dietician walk in, you can be almost 100% sure that whatever they're telling you is bunk. That's what I'm, I'm hearing. Am I wrong? It,
0: it, no. I, I, I would, no. I would, and I, I sometimes... You're you very know, get,
1: modest, Jen.
0: <laughs> well, I sometimes get frustrated because I... I enjoy being a dietitian, and I think there's a lot that we can offer. I've always felt like food could be that, you know, the whole Hippocratic message of let food be thy medicine. I mean, gosh, you know, really it, it works for a lot of disease prevention, but just getting that message in the right format and so that people can understand it. There's so much confusion out there. I mean, there's so many fad things and, you know, but to find something that actually works. And one of the things that the doctors always say with low carb diets that I hear, you know, not shouldn't say doctors, but they, they come back with is it's just not sustainable. Nobody can eat that low carbohydrate of a diet for that long. And, and I've been doing, and I said, well, I've been doing it for years. I mean, what do you mean? (laughs)
1: How long long does it have to be to be sustainable? Yeah, like sustainable,
0: sustainable. exactly. And I mean, I mean, years and years and I feel good. And I my parents have eaten this way for years and they are my dad just turned 80 a couple weeks ago. My mom is 76 and they are the most active, healthy humans around. And I've learned half of what I know in the last ten years with regards to nutrition from my mom. Of all the, she's like, tell, uh, she told me what to watch. She must What's love this? that. That's how I found out about media.
1: <laughs> oh, from from your mom? Yes. Well, thanks, mom. Yeah,
0: I know. I tell her thanks all the time. Me,
1: thanks, mom.
2: Well, you know, and again. It, it's ironic that, you know, you're probably like, oh, you know, I we learned that, you know, I learned this new thing about nutrition. And your mom is like, that's, that's what I learned in the 1970s. And right. unfortunately, you know, you unlearned, you learned the opposite in the 1990s. Uh, but, you know, again, this is, none of this is new, you know, we, we've we talked de- about. Yeah,
0: yeah the deprogramming is- and relearning is pretty intense. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but so let's
2: um, let, let's uh, let's turn the conversation around here. Let, let's yes, hear some please. of the success stories. Uh, yes, I'm getting depressed. Yes.
0: No, yes. I know there are success. There are much, there are successes along the way. And, you know, I, I don't know how much I can say, but I, there is a movie on Apple TV now called The Diabetes Solution. They actually um, asked Dr. Bernstein. Uh, have you seen the movie?
2: So, uh, I actually haven't, I, I wasn't
0: oh, aware of the movie. Yeah. So the, the well, the movie, Um, it was a group of moms of children with type one diabetes. And one of them happened to be, her husband was a physician and she was just astonished when her child was diagnosed with type one diabetes and was like, you know, this is got, this is not right. This is, you know, they're telling me that they can have, you know, the sugary cereal and, and orange juice and, you know, all these things um and just cover it with insulin she's like that's just not right that's just not right so she did further investigation anyway just film came out on apple it's on apple tv and prime um tv it's like 399 or something but it's it's a really well done movie um so i kind of tell people you know check that movie out (laughs) i you know i'm still at the phase where I'm trying to work on getting them to wean down on, on the carbs. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. yeah. And then there's, uh, you know, there's there's a massive Facebook group, uh, you know, uh, around Dr. Type, one grit. type one grit, um, mm-hmm. which, which I just actually learned the other day. So Dr. Bernstein is still active in it. You know, he's, uh, oh, he's yeah. almost, 90. yeah, he's, he's, I think going to turn 90 this year, maybe, or, uh, yeah, is approaching 90. and he's still active
0: he's amazing
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: i wish i i wish i had taken his advice and along the way (laughs) a lot earlier but you live and you learn (laughs) we all do so yeah talk about
2: some of the you know ways that you're now uh you know, now realizing what you realize and knowing what you know, you know, talk about some of the ways that you're uh incorporating that um, you know, into your life uh with with working with people.
0: So I I very much and I, I have to be careful in what I say um in in this space <laughs> because I, you know, there's they're still telling me 60 gram, you know, for, for boys, 45 for girls type of thing. Um, so I, I take the approach of more focusing on the processed foods, getting them to eat just whole real foods, the meat, the vegetables, because those are naturally low, I like think very low in carbohydrate, um, some vegetables, uh, not the, not the corn and the peas and the potatoes, um, in Indiana, they can still consider potatoes a vegetable, mm. <laughs> um, and then a little. Like the, they don't want to completely remove fruit.
1: So, what oh. do you do to keep yourself from losing your mind inside this <laughs> this type of environment?
0: Oh, that is the hard part. <laughs> I, I do a lot of yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Spend a lot of time with my <laughs> grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I. It, I, you know, I do it because I love the kids and I feel like if I can make a difference in one kid's life, um, then it's worth it in, in, in a week. You know, like there's always at least one or two kids. I feel like I make a difference in their life in a week. And, and that's to me is, is what it's worth. And I've had very I've had several great success stories with kids who. who Please parents tell us
1: what. What a great success story.
0: Well, I actually, there's a video online about him, but I, that, I don't know. Well, I guess since he consented for the video, but he, um, he just took it to heart and like his mom's a single mom, he was, um,
1: where where did he start? Tell us about who, you know, what he was, was,
0: he was 15 diagnosed with type two diabetes and, um, I, you know, I kind of went through the whole spiel with him. I was like, we got to change, you know, change, change some things, some things in your diet. Got to start moving a little bit more. And he took it to heart. I mean, his mom got a bike, (laughs) put a a stationary bike in his bedroom. He was on that thing, but he was, you know, it takes, it does take some degree of intrinsic motivation to want to be healthier. And sometimes kids feel so bad. They don't know how bad they feel. They're so, their body is so metabolically unhealthy that they don't even know how good they could feel, Right. but he took it to heart and he was very motivated intrinsically. He wanted to not have to take medicine and he was actually started out on insulin Wow. because back in the day we did. And I finally, that was a big success during the last year. We no longer start type two diabetes patient kids on insulin. Instead, we, you know, even if their A1C is 12%, we start with very sometimes very low basal insulin, but we try to get rid of it as soon as possible. Um, but he he took everything to heart. He did it. He watched his diet and here he's three years later, just graduated and he is in, I mean, he they call it remission. He's in remission of his type two diabetes. He doesn't take any diabetes medications. And he's, I think he's lost like 80 pounds, 80 or 90 pounds. Wow. He's great. He, that's a he's great phenomenal. I told text. him he's like he's he's got to be like a rock star patient for <laughs> they even feature, they featured him at the hospital and they featured him on the local news and in different things but he's he's a great kid
1: wow that is extraordinary yeah all right parents so uh look for the gray rings around your kids' various places on their bodies. <laughs> um look at what they're sticking in their mouth not just at home but wherever else they're going. Um get rid of anything that has more than one ingredient on it is what I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it you say Dr. Dr. Ovadia? If like,
0: if uh, you can't you tell fire. what
2: the ingredients are by looking
0: can't at pronounce it. pronounce
2: them. <laughs> yeah, if you can't tell what's in your uh you know food by just looking at it, then you really shouldn't be eating it. I think that's a great role, a great rule to uh, live by. So there's,
1: there's going to be parents who say, but my kids are just going to throw a fit. What do you say Mm -hmm. to them?
0: I said, well, well, a lot of times they'll will say, but I have other kids and they don't all have diabetes. And I said, well, I'm not telling you to feed your your kids anything different than you would feed your other kids. (laughs) all this you can feed the whole family this way everybody could
1: eat this way
0: (laughs) yes
2: no yeah and
0: it's it's much more supportive for the family that way if everybody's eating that way then the the child's not singled out and nor should they be and they're not honestly they're not the ones buying the food for the family. i mean they're they're children so it's not their fault wow they just yeah all right I think we have a lot of work to do and it's exciting and I don't want this to be a negative conversation. I want it to be something that people go forward with and just, you know, think about what they are feeding their kids. Well, it more. is
1: it is gratifying to, to know that um, the message that I've been hearing from guest after guest after guest on this show for the last year and a half is essentially the same message over and over again. <laughs> yes. uh, eat whole real food. I mean, it's, it's so complicated.
0: <laughs> I know. I, and people I just, are like, well, what is that? And I'm like, "Um, like meat before you do anything to it, vegetables, fruit, <laughs> a little bit of fruit. <laughs> you know, it's not like, it really isn't rocket science. It's just, it's just, putting it into action.
1: We had and, a guest and, on.
0: and there's so much there's so much um addictive uh, qualities to the the processed foods. I mean they just cuz they release all those dopamine receptors and make you feel so good. <laughs> and yeah. that's a whole nother,
1: it, the carbohydrate so addiction. Briefly. Right. Yeah. Um I I had a get we had a guest on a while back and I I for the life of me can't remember who it was, but she talked about being poor and needing to lose a, a bunch of weight. And uh her comment was something along the lines of Don't think I was shopping at the fancy dancy grocery stores buying expensive meat. I was going to McDonald's ordering a quarter pounder with nothing mm-hmm. on it and take and throwing away the the bread. I was eating mm-hmm mcdonald's hamburgers mm-hmm. but but all she was eating was the meat right and uh, uh, the lights just kind of went, went on for me i realized oh my gosh bad meat mm-hmm. low quality meat i shouldn't say bad meat low quality meat is better than any kind of processed anything that you're gonna mm-hmm. eat so yeah it, it, you can't use the ex- if you if you eat food at McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King or any of those those places, you can't say that you can't afford to eat well because you could just be buying the meat. And by Mm -hmm. the way, um, my wife and I go to (laughs) In-N-Out once a week, and I now order bear patties. It's fantastic. And it's cheaper. (laughs) I order six bear patties. I'm getting roughly 10 ounces of, of I would guess fairly low quality hamburger for six bucks. I'm, and it's great. It's fantastic.
0: Well, I, and I do that a lot all because that is a, a common thing that I hear is, is it's very expensive to, to buy meat and to buy fruits and or to buy vegetables, all these things. And so I'll bring in the, I always every week bring in the grocery ads and kind of like we'll go, go through and circle ideas of what they could choose in place of like all the stuff in the middle of the usually the meat and the vegetables are on the front page of the ad and so we'll go through that and kind of help them but you know time it takes a little bit of time to cook meals um and people don't necessarily always want to stop to do that so the option of you know what what can you do when you're eating out comes up a lot too and we We talk about that, taking the buns off and doing the unwitch from Jimmy John's with just like the gargantuan, where you get like five different meats and cheese and a lettuce wrap. (laughs) So I didn't know about that. I've learned something
1: today the unwitch from Jimmy John's.
0: Oh my gosh, it's so good. (laughs) 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 It's my to go, like my on the go when I'm on the go.
1: (laughs) I love it. Okay. Well, we've got a new sponsor, um, Phil. Yep. There we go. (laughs) The we she went.
0: John from <laughs> well jen oh. i
1: i appreciate your time here today um oh
0: of course phil how, how do you want to
1: wrap this up
2: uh just uh you know we didn't really even get to uh talk about uh that jen is one of our coaches over at the uh in the metabolic health coaching program over at ifixhearts.com and uh so we we, we don't uh We don't deal with children there, but we'd be happy to deal with their parents. Uh, And uh, so anyone that's looking for um, help with their metabolic health, uh, Jen's one of our expert coaches, and I would uh, invite you to come uh, check us out at ifixhearts.com. And then, Jen, why don't you uh, let let the people know where they can uh, connect with you as well?
0: Um, they can connect with me on LinkedIn, Jen Cleveland, uh, Twitter at sad free RD, sad being. I love
1: that standard, standard
0: American diet. Sad free RD, yes. And on, I think that's the other one's uh, Instagram is at jcleve70.
1: All right, we'll make sure all that stuff shows up in the show notes.
0: <laughs> all right. Very good. All pleasure. right folks so
1: so if if you're too intimidated to talk to Dr. Ovedia at ifixhearts.com
0: <laughs>
1: and and don't be because he's a great guy, I
0: was gonna say. <laughs> um,
1: you could you might have the opportunity to work with Jen Cleveland, who is a uh, a, a registered dietitian who gets it. Um, thank God there's at least one in America. <laughs>
0: there's several.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, for Dr. Philip Ovedia and and Jim Cleveland, I'm Jack Heal. This is the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast. I'm going to invite you to subscribe. We drop a new episode every Tuesday, and we'll talk to you all next time.
0: Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Ovedia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.